Well, good morning, church. Great to see you today. That is very loud. I assume you can hear me. I saw somebody kind of sit back in their chair. Great to see you today. My name is Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Welcome to Vision Sunday. We're really excited to share with you some really cool stuff that we believe God is downloading for our church. You should have received some goodies on your way in. I'm going to hold them up in order so that uh, you can see what they look like. You should have received one of these. If you receive one, can you hold one up just so that I have confirmation? If you haven't received one and you want one of these, this is the Gospel of Matthew, and it's a journal. There are blank pages so that you can take notes uh, on the teaching of the Gospel of Matthew that Pastor Matt will be talking about all semester long this entire fall. Uh, which is where our uh, vision will come from in Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus said, uh, let, your shine, let, your, let your light shine before men. And so uh, if you didn't receive one of those, please see our ushers on your way out. Also, you should have received, you probably aren't going to be able to see this, but I, I'm holding in my hand a little key tag. And on the opposite side, there is a QR code. Uh, that QR code will take you to our website where you can get updates um, on videos uh, that we will be giving periodically throughout the entirety of this next year so you can learn about all the Shine Your Light initiatives uh, that Pastor Matt will be talking about this morning. And then last but not least, you should have received a really cool Shine Your Light sticker. I see a little one holding up a sticker in the back, in the back row there. That's awesome. That's for your Bible. That's for your computer. It's for your mirror. It could be for your phone. It's just a reminder that God is calling you and me and all of us uh, to shine our lights to the world around us this year. We really look forward to hearing Pastor Matt share more about this Shine Your Light vision here later on this morning. And uh, if you didn't receive any of these items, please uh, uh, see our ushers afterwards, and they'll make sure that you get one of these on your way out. I do have one more announcement that I want to make mention of this morning, and that is related to our life groups. And uh, we have life groups and classes that are going to be starting here in a couple of weeks. We have groups for for men. We have groups for women. We have classes for both men and women uh, on the book of Jeremiah and many others. But I do want to highlight one particular class that is entitled The Workshop, and it's it's an evangelism class. And it's going to be starting, I think, later on in September. So if you would like to learn more about how to shine your light, how to share your faith, if you feel somewhat uncomfortable about questions or objections that people might have, this is a wonderful class for you to participate in. All of the content was written by our very own Pastor Matt. Uh, There are video modules that you watch, and then you have discussion and learn and encourage and pray for one another as you are acquiring knowledge to learn about how to share your faith with the world around you. And so if you'd like to sign up for that class, we encourage you to do so um, on our website. You can go to our website and look for the banner that says Life Group Sign Up. Click on that banner and a form will pop up and you can sign up that way. And we would love to have you indeed. Well, that's all I have in the way of uh, announcements and reminders this morning. If you've come to worship the Lord Jesus with your tithes and offerings You likely know what to do and how to do it. You can text to give. Uh, You can give online at vlchurch.com backslash give, or you can give as you exit the sanctuary this morning to our wonderful ushers who will be awaiting you. But thank you for worshiping the Lord uh, today. I can ask you to stand, and as we prepare for worship, let's bow for a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Father God, we believe what Paul said in Ephesians, such a profound statement. When he said, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father God, thank you for revealing your love to us, your people. That is why we have come to worship you now, for removing what separated us from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
after wave Mercy arriving again and again Your love will find us You're never far away
I'm excited this morning. How can I keep from singing? <laughs> you know, how can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is his love? That's why I'm excited. That's why I'm up here dancing and singing with, you know, this team up here. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's awesome. And, you know, the reason that we're excited is because of this next song, because of Calvary, because... He took, he died on the cross for our sins, and he, you know, he, he took those sins. Um, yeah, that's just a reason to worship. Let's go ahead and sing. The Savior alone. Carry the cross for all of my debts. He paid the cost. Salvation complete. Now forever I'm free. Calvary covers it all. Sing Calvary. Calvary. Covers it all, my sin and shame don't count anymore. All praise to the one who is ransomed my soul. Calvary covers it all, no power on earth, not even the grave. Separate us mercy. He's faithful to save. Oh, his blood never fails. Calvary covers it all. Oh 
my sin and say don't count it more. Come on. All praise to the one who is rest of my soul. Lord Jesus, we stand here today because you came to earth on our behalf and covered the sins of humanity. Lord, left to our own devices, there'd be nothing but sin and death, but left to the mercy and grace of God, there is life and hope for all eternity. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our Savior today. We honor you for that. And Lord, I pray that we would honor you as we move into a time of hearing from your word, that we would hear your words as ones who have been saved and ones who have received the mercy and grace of God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. At this time, young disciples, you may be dismissed to go down the hall. You're going to be in the exact same place that the old disciples are today, which is Matthew chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today. We are embarking today on Vision Sunday. That is, that is the call today. What is it that the Lord has been sharing with us over the course of the last few months to begin to share that with you? But before we do that today, I would like to mention that it was 38 years ago, this very week, that some people caught a vision, and the vision was for Victory Life Church to be a thing. You see, it was 38 years ago this week that the very first meeting of Victory Life Church ever took place, and uh, we are so blessed to have some folks among us today here in the service who were there at its inception, who have been serving in this place since that day and who've been honoring the Lord to make sure this is a place from which people continue to come to know Jesus and get discipled. If you were there on that very first Sunday, would you just stand for a moment? We just want to honor and recognize you for being ones who got this church. If you were there the very first few Sundays, I'm seeing some. There you go, a couple more people. We thank you for 38 years of wonderful service under the Lord. Thank you very much. You are a blessing. We joke all the time that most of the original folks of Victory Life come to second service because they're just so tired that they can't get up in the morning. But anyhow, uh, we're so glad that you're here this morning. It is Vision Sunday. That is a day that we have here every year where we begin to share with you from our staff and our elders what we believe the Lord has for us in the next year. We know that God's always at work. God's always doing something. God's always on the move. And our prayer is always, well, God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to pitch in? What do you want us to focus on? What is it we should be doing this year? What should we be calling the people of God to? 
And so this journey for us started in a book of the Bible, actually, where we really felt the Lord was beginning to lead us for the coming year. It began the book of Matthew, and we're going to be in the book of Matthew. That's why we got those beautiful little journals. For those of you who want to follow along through the month of November, we're going to be in the book of Matthew each and every week. And it started in the Word, started in the Bible, and then it, it moved its way into prayer. We took time as a staff to really pray and seek the Lord and say, God, what's next? In fact, God was giving us so much, so much, that we actually have enough for two years. But we're just going to give you one. Okay, I'm not even kidding. We've got what we believe God has us to do into 2020, oh, help me, 2023 and 24 already, but we, we decided bite-sized chunks, and boy, when we present some of the things to you this morning uh, that we feel the Lord has downloaded to us, we, it's not going to feel like a bite-sized chunk. Now, I have to tell you, anytime I say it's Vision Sunday, that scares me, because the first time Moses shared his vision from the Lord, the people had to make bricks without straw. You know, it didn't go well. The second time he shared a vision from the Lord, he came down from the mountain and everybody had forsaken God. So this is scary to, to share with you what we believe the Lord has, has given us and what we believe we're to call the church towards. It's, we do it with, with much fear and trepidation. But we believe the Lord's spoken to us. We believe he's still speaking. And the call today is not a call, we believe, from the staff or the elders of VLC. We believe it's a call from Jesus. A call from the Lord, and that's why everything that we're going to do here is going to be deeply biblical, and we're going to start in a vision that Jesus had. Not in a vision that we had, but in a vision that Jesus had in Matthew chapter 5. Now, I know that anytime you hear that we're going to share vision with you, that can be met with a healthy bit of skepticism. If I were sitting in your, sh- in your seat today, I would think to myself, what's he going to tell me to do? Well, I'm going to ask you to suspend that pessimism for just a little bit, We're going to ask Jesus to give us a vision for his church, and we together are going to see some incredible things in the next year as we seek the Lord. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? We're just going to dedicate this time that we have here to the Lord this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that your presence would be keenly felt in this place through the reading and study of your word today. Lord Jesus, may we catch the vision that you have for us that comes straight from your word. May we not view it as old hat or something that we've seen before, but may we see it with fresh eyes today. Give us ears to hear and willing spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. I had a 10-year-old bake my birthday cake this year, and it went well. You wouldn't expect that, would you? But I have one of my daughters who showed extra interest at the age of seven, eight, nine years old in being a baker. Now, I don't have time for that. I don't have the patience for it. You know the first time a child breaks an egg, you're cleaning up an egg. The first time a child uses the electric mixer, the flour, sugar, and salt are going all over your kitchen. You know these things. Thank God I have a wife who is more patient than I am because I can't handle all that nonsense. But one day, about a year and a half ago, My little daughter, who loves to be in the kitchen, loves to learn, loves to figure out how to bake, said, Mom, I want to bake something today. And my wife said, well, why don't you bake some brownies? And she said, oh, that sounds good. Well, come on, Mom. And my wife looked at her and goes, no, you go bake the brownies. Nine years old, just go do it. It's you. And I remember the look on her face. As she turned and went to make those brownies, And you know what she did when she made those brownies? She knocked it out of the park. They were delicious. In fact, our neighbor next door, who she's gone on to be with Jesus, but she was then challenged to a brownie baking competition because the brownies turned out so well. So on the day that she made a cake from scratch, it was so good, I, I, I said, you know, I want you to make my birthday cake. And instead now of the face being of fear, it was a face of, are you serious? You are commissioning me? to make your birthday cake? That's an incredible right. Thank you for giving me such a commission. And guess what? It was delicious. It was a good birthday. But there's some things that had to take place there. There had to be some training. There had to be some permission to get out there and break some eggs. There had to be the belief that she was capable of actually doing what she had been commissioned to do. And when those things happen, 
incredible results can happen. Jesus is going to give his people a commission in Matthew chapter 5. And I'm sure for some of us today, as we look at that commission, we're going to look at that commission with fear and trepidation. That's okay. Some of us are going to look at that commission today, and we're going to get, our eyes are going to light up. We're going to say, yeah, this is absolutely what I want to be doing. Some of us are going to look at that commission today and think, how long is the line going to be at the restaurant this afternoon? But I'm hopeful that whether we look at this with fear or trepidation or even disinterest today, that we can catch a vision from the Lord Jesus who would help us understand that we have a great, great commission that we are capable of fulfilling if we'll step into the roles that God's given us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, to a group of people who had gathered around a mountain on which he was speaking, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven, end quote. Jesus was awesome at word pictures. This is my body. This is my blood. I am the good shepherd who leads the sheep and they can hear my voice. I have water for you to drink, in which case you will never first thirst again. But this isn't an I statement about Jesus. This is a statement about you and I. You, he says, are the light of the world. You. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Just speak it. What did you have for breakfast? Every, just only coffee? <laughs> That's it. I heard eight coffees, right? That was all we heard this morning. You, whatever you had for breakfast, however you came in here, whatever car you drove, you are the light of the world, says Jesus. Now, that's an incredible word picture. But I have a promise to make to you today. I am not going to spend the next 32 minutes describing the nature of light. For your sake, I will not trivialize the momentous and complicate the obvious. Light shines in darkness and has an effect. Amen. You can leave now. No, I'm kidding. But we're not going to describe the nature of light for 30 minutes. I would fall asleep if we did that. There's something momentous that is going on here, and I'm going to start with this question. We're going to just bring three points to the fore today. What is the light of the world supposed to do? Shine. I know that. We know the nature of light. It shines in the darkness. That's why he gives us such a powerful and simple metaphor here. That, that's there. We get it. We get, you all get it. Everybody gets that light shines, that, that we are the light of the world. What's the light supposed to do? Look down at verse 16. What is the light supposed to do? Light is supposed to shine in such a way that others, others, and the others is contrasted with your father, Okay? So, so we're talking about people who don't know God as Father. That others may see work that you do that is of a good nature. All right? I say that just to help us all who are worried about works-based salvation. Work that is of a good nature, ultimately to do what? Give glory to God. Give glory to God. Now, glory is a loaded term, isn't it? Glory is probably used in at least a half a dozen ways throughout the Scripture, but the two most common aspects of glory I want to describe for you because it's going to be one of them. My question to you is, do you think this is the glory of praise? That people would see that Austin does something really great in the neighborhood and go, well, you know what, I really don't like God, but he must be good since Austin did that nice thing. Is it the glory of praise that we're talking about here? Probably not. Most likely it's not glory to God in the highest peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's not the glory of praise. The glory that we're talking about here is the glory of salvation. Give God glory. Recognize that God is the ultimate being of the universe. Recognize God is the ultimate creator of the universe. Recognize God is the boss. That's the glory that we're talking about here. Because it is in the human nature to give ourselves glory, to be focused on self, to think that we're the boss, to think that we are the ultimate arbiters of our life and our future, that we created ourselves and gave our life purpose. The glory here in the book of Matthew is standing in for the concept of salvation, that men and women would see the light of the world and go, huh, I've been seeing this thing all wrong. 
I have not been doing life the way that I ought to be doing. God is the boss. God is the creator. He is the one who gave me life. He's not the bad guy. I'm the sinner. He is the one that I should be serving, and I shall, to give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, the proof of this is actually found in the parallel passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter recounts this very statement of Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2, and he amends it just slightly. He says that they may see our good works and glorify God, does anybody know the rest of this quote, on the day that he visits us. Peter is letting us know that this good work unto giving God glory is a good work unto giving God glory on the day that he visits us. That's the day of judgment. That's the day when we see God face to face and realize, what have I used my life for? What have I done with this life that's been given to me? Have I, have I used it for God's purposes or for my own purposes? Peter says, if you do these good works that Jesus talked about, if you shine your light, they would give glory to God on the day he visits us. They would be saved when Jesus returns. That's the glory that we're talking about here. It's standing in for salvation. It's standing in for redemption. And Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. Shine your light. Shine it out there. Let people see it. Because ultimately they're going to see it and they're going to be changed forever. You are the means, you are the mechanism by which people are drawn to God and their lives are changed forever. It's you. You're the ones. Light draws people to God. That's the most simple way of putting it. Light helps people to see that God is good and loving and true, and he, he, he created us with a purpose, and he's interested in us, and he has saved us through his son Jesus, and light, us, the light of the world, is tasked with bringing people into that reality. That's us. That's heavy. That, that's, that's a lot more scary than a pan of brownies. Because Jesus is implying that we're capable. He's implying that we have that through him in us to bring to others. That is daunting. The scope of that is absolutely huge. You know, in the Old Testament, and that's what his original hearers would have been versed in, they would have, they would have read Genesis through Malachi or had it read to them in synagogue. They would have known that light stands for truth, light stands for healing, and light stands for hope. They would have known this. This would have been what they'd raised it, what they raised and when the metaphor of light it was used in the Old Testament it was used for light, I'm sorry, for truth, for healing, and for hope. Jesus is saying, you, you are the mechanism by which my truth and my healing and my hope gets out into the world, you yourselves. And Jesus knew it'd be a tough pill for us to swallow. You want to know why? He says it emphatically. It doesn't come through in the English, it's only there in the Greek. The original language that the New Testament was written in, Jesus looks at this group of people sitting around him on the hillside, and he wants them to get it because he knows they're not going to believe it. He says, you yourselves are the light of the world. He puts emphasis on it. He, he wants them to know that he means them. Yes, I mean you. You are the light of the world. You yourselves are to carry truth of the gospel into the world, the healing that comes when the relationship with Jesus is formed, and the hope of eternal life. You are the ones who are to carry that into the world and help pe humanist, people-glorifying, people-loving, uh, and I mean that in a negative sense, people who are only interested in doing what they think is right with their lives, for their purposes, to say, I no longer give glory to myself, I give glory to God, and I serve him with the rest of my life. You are to bring that to people, you, you yourselves. Now, that might, that might be shocking to you today, who only drank coffee for breakfast and drove a Ford here. That might be shocking to you. Imagine being his original hearers, because most of them would have been poor and uneducated and under Roman oppression. He says this to a bunch of nose-picking hobbits. That's how I picture the crowds that Jesus preached to, you know? Very little influence, very little education. You're like, who's a hobbit? Ask, ask, ask somebody. Very, 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 very little means. They, they, they're the light of the world? Nonsense. That's what have been his original hearers. Many of them would have been worried where their next meal was coming from, worried about Roman taxes, 
They had cares and concerns, very little influence, very little education, very little money. He looks at them and goes, you are the means by which God's healing, truth, and hope are going to be disseminated into the world. We barely get this, and we are educated, and we are rich, and we can influence people. We, we We have an entire culture based on something called an influencer. I don't even know what that is. We can have all types of influence on all types of people because of the modern era. We, we have all of these things at our disposal, and we look at this and go, no, nah, I don't think so. No, nah, I don't think so. Can't be me. I'm not educated enough. I, I don't have enough money in the bank. I, I'm certainly, uh, it can't be me. It's got to be somebody else. It's got to be one of those elders. They pray a lot. One of them intercessors. One of those deeply spiritual people, I can't be the light of the world. And Jesus says, you yourself, it's you. And I ask you the simple question, if you yourself are not going to be the light in your sphere of influence, who is going to be? Who is? Who are you waiting for? I ain't coming to your workplace. They would view me with suspicion. I'm not coming to your neighborhood. I don't have enough apple pies to hand out. Not coming. Who? Who, Who's to be the light in your workplace? Who's to be the light in your school? Who's to be the light in your neighborhood? Jesus says you yourselves. You yourself, you. You. Jesus' whole mission was equated with light. If you were to turn your Bibles back one page, there's a beautiful quote from the prophet Isaiah as Matthew is thinking about the mission of Jesus. It's found in chapter 4, verse 16. I'd love for you to turn with me there for just a moment. It's beautiful. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The mission of Jesus is to bring light into a dark world. And you are so important to the work of Christ that he gives you his mission and says it's yours. It's your mission. And we're not in the book of John today, but of course Jesus calls himself the light of the world, so he gives you his title as well. After all, if you were filling out a survey today, you'd already have Christ's title. You would check Christian. You you would already say, I carry the title of my Lord and Savior. Well, he says that you're the light of the world. You are the ones by which the light is going to dawn on the people around you. This is your mission, will you choose to accept it? I don't know how the original hearers heard it. I don't know how those people sitting there on the mountainside took this, I I couldn't say. How are you going to take it? Because Matthew wrote it down so you would read it one day. He wanted you to hear that you yourselves are the light of the world and that you carry the mission of Jesus of bringing the truth of the gospel, the healing of a relationship with him and the hope of eternal life in your wings. Now, Jesus realizes there's an existential threat to the light. Do you know what the existential threat to the light is? That people who are the light will cover the light. He realizes that it would be far easier for people who have received the light of the gospel, who have received the healing that comes in a relationship with Jesus, who have received the hope of eternal life, to go, thank you, Jesus, I am all lit up, and then put it under a bushel. Isn't one of the first songs that we teach our children, this little light of mine? I'm going to let it shine. What's the second little verse? Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. I wish we as Christians would start screaming no to that. That the private and personal religion of the modern church would have us scream with with reviling, reviling, no! No! This private, personal Christianity that is covered and unseen is not what Jesus ever intended. That out there is a dark world that is dying and the people of God are meant to shine the light of his truth, his healing, and his hope. 
so that they can come to know Jesus and give glory to their Father in heaven on the day that he visits us. That's our call. That's our call. Jesus realizes that the light must shine to serve its purpose. It must shine in order to serve its purpose. Light does no good if it's not shining on something. And we are to be shining before others, says Jesus, on others, around others, so that they may find exactly who Jesus is. So my question to you is simple today before I lay out some things. Is your light presently visible to the unbelieving world? Pregnant pause intended. Is your light visible to the unbelieving world in a real and appreciable way? If it is, good. If it's not, it's time for that to change. Well, the people around me, they know that I go to church. They know that you go to Walmart. What does that matter? It's not shining your light. When I go to Walmart, okay, do I need Walmart? Will Walmart save my soul? I didn't know when I go to church. Is your light shining in an appreciable way? Could anybody go, yes, yes. There's something different there. There's something that I need there. There's something, I don't know what that is, but, 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 but I recognize that it's not this darkness that's all around me. Is it shining? Does it have an intended target? Right? Let your light shine before others. Who are your others? Who's in your workplace? Who's in your school? Who's in your neighborhood? Who are your others that your light is supposed to be shining toward? Who are those people? What would you do to shine your light if you truly caught the fact that you yourselves are the light of the world. I was speaking with a pastor friend of mine this week, and I was telling him, what, what is it that you want your congregation to grab a hold of this week? And I, I, was, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find the words. I was trying to say, well, you know, you know th- what they're going to be afraid of is that I'm going to give them a whole year of evangelism studies. How to, how to hand out little tracts or how to hand out books and how to have gospel-centered conversations and that I'm just gonna, and I, I, don't, I don't want them to see it that way. I, I want them to see themselves as the pastor of wherever they're at. That's what I want. That, 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 that they would put themselves in position that when the truth of the gospel needs to be shared or can be shared, it gets shared. And when the healing that comes with a personal relationship with Christ can be offered through prayer to another human being, the prayers would be offered. And that when the hope of eternal life needs to be brought to the fore, that they could do such a thing. But by seeing themselves as people who are deeply invested in the lives of the people around them and recognize that if they look for opportunity with all of their heart, not, not to just share a bunch of statements about salvation that come from doctrine based in theology, but instead they would see themselves as Jesus saw them, as ones who can shine a light in a dark place in such a way that they can draw people to God. The whole kit and caboodle, the whole process of making disciples, not just going out and saying, are you right with God? But seeing their workplace, their school, their, their, their neighborhood as a place where God has placed them and called them to bring forward Jesus and say, do you see who the light of the world is? If you can't see, see through me. It's a heavy task. It's a big ask. But it's what Jesus was saying to a bunch of people who are far less privileged, far less educated than we will ever be. The perfect place to shine your light is right where you're at today. God's placed you right where he needs light. Right where you're at. Right where you're at. One of the things I've noticed in the past few years is the complaints of Christian about how dark the darkness is getting. I mean, that is our talking point, is it not? 
Christians all over the place all the time. The world's getting worse. We're living in a world we don't understand. The darkness is getting darker. But I have good news for you folks. As the darkness gets darker, the light gets more distinct. Gets more distinct. You will be known by what makes you different and you will be seen for what makes you different. The changes that we make can be monumental even if they're simple in their application. What would happen in your neighborhood if you started parking in your driveway and walking to the front door of your house as opposed to raising the garage door, driving in, closing it, pulling up the drawbridge, and going into your castle? Imagine if your life was more purposeful than pulling up the drawbridge. What might happen if your cubicle became an open space where people could come and you could ask them questions about themselves and how their life was going? And you say, well, productivity will go down. Well, it goes down on YouTube anyhow. What if we were just people who recognize that every day that we go to work and every day that we drove home into our neighborhoods and every day that we went to school was an opportunity to just look out and see if we could shine our light at anybody? Ask them a few questions about themselves. See if they have a prayer request. Be intentional about being friendly. Well, they know if they ever needed a cup of flour that they could come get it. Have you said that? No, they they know. They know. I waved at them back at Halloween. They know. They know. I'm a good person. Cup of flour, two tablespoons of cornstarch, they could come get that. They don't know. They don't know if they've never seen you. They don't know if you've never spoken with them. They don't know if you've never seen them trying to chop down some bush in their backyard and you're sitting there sipping your iced tea going, what an idiot. Should have called somebody to come remove that. Those roots, terrible. Well, why don't you take a hatchet over and start chopping? Because you're the light of the world and you've got to shine towards an intended target. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What if in the next year each one of us saw ourselves as a pastor of the place that we were at? Obviously, we want to be people who share the gospel, but what if we just saw ourselves as a pastor of our workplace, a pastor of our neighborhood, a pastor of our school? We went away and we prayed, and this was what the Lord kept bringing back to our attention. What do we do to help people get to this place that we are the light of the world? What do we do to help people understand exactly what Jesus requires of them? Well, the first thing is this, before I share with you any of our goals for the next year as a church, the first thing is this, is to remain deeply biblical and tied to what Jesus had to say. We're going we're gonna to stay in the book of Matthew through the month of November, and we're not studying verse by verse, chapter by chapter, every single thing that Jesus says in Matthew. If we did that, we might take two years to do it. But every time Jesus commissions his people to shine their light on others, we're going to highlight that for the next three months. We're going to highlight that and see it in all of its various pieces and say, God, how are we to shine? How are we to share, how are we to hand out the truth and the healing and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What am I to do? But we also believed as a staff it would be important to come back and not just expect you to walk out of this place with no ideas on how to do any of that. In fact, we began to ask the Lord, Lord, how would you have us challenge the people of Victory Life? How would you have us, uh, what, what ideas would, would you give us, Lord, that would help folks put this into practice in a real way so that we don't just preach sermons and then say, go and do. But we would actually give them something to say, this is what we're after, this is the goal, this is what we can accomplish if all of us were invested in shining our light into the world around us. And every staff member prayed, and every staff member visioned, and every staff member came up with ideas and then went, that's horrible. It's a terrible idea. It stinks. We're not doing that. 
God, what is it that you'd have us to do? And we came up with goals for this group of folks at VLC. And maybe one of these things is going to capture you today, and maybe one of them is going to capture you tomorrow. Maybe none of them are capture you, but something else in terms of shining your light is going to capture you in the week to come, weeks to come, because that's what we're praying for. But we've set some goals for our community to be intentional about shining our light, and I'd love your permission to share some of those with you today. Some things that we believe we can accomplish as a church together. I'd like to share with you some of the ideas that the Lord has given us, some things that we really believe that he says we can do in this coming year. The first thing is this. We believe within the next calendar year that we are going to start three new Bible studies in the middle schools and high schools around us. We talked with a leader in the high school of one of our local high schools who said there is not one right now, and we can't even find the students to help sponsor it to get it back off the ground. Well, guess what? Our students are going to sponsor it, and they're going to get it back off the ground, and there's going to be Bible studies or prayer groups at our high schools and middle schools again in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to do it. We're going to pray for it, and we're going to do it because the world needs it. We believe that we are going to make 100 multi-generational connections, and that's what the kids down the hall are being challenged with in the weeks to come. You say, what does that look like? It looks like kids and families adopting an elderly person or a senior in their neighborhood who does not yet know Jesus and say, we're your family. We will love you. We will look after you. We'll bring you cookies on Christmas. We're going to stop over on Easter. We're going to invite you to the back patio for Luigi's Pizza next week. Come and be part of our family. We're going to go for 100 people to show them the love of Christ who are isolated and alone. And that's what your kids are being challenged with down the hall right now. We're going to challenge them to shine their light out into the world. We are going to believe the Lord that moms in this church, maybe some dads too, but dads aren't creative and they're a bit goofy with this kind of stuff. We're going to believe that moms in this church are going to band together. And instead of doing one massive VBS here on our property, we're going to do three out in the community in our own backyards and begin to invite the kids of our neighborhoods into VBSs around us. Kids who, because of their cultural background or their being nuns, their parents have never donned the doors of a church, would never walk into a vacation Bible school, but if they hear that there's food and crafts and music and fun, are going to come right into our backyards and hear the truth about the gospel and the love of Jesus for the very first time. We believe that God's called us to do this. We believe that in the next year, and here's where the rubber is going to hit the road for some of you today, that we are going to start 10 neighborhood or workplace evangelistic Bible studies. 10 of them. We believe that at least 10 VLCers are going to look at us and say, Pastor Matt, Pastor Otto, Pastor Aaron, if I were to start a Bible study at my workplace for non-believers, what would I do? And we're going to say, well, it just so happens that we have all types of materials right here for you to take a Bible study right to your workplace, right into your neighborhood. Pastor Matt, I can't imagine how I would ever, ever get people from my neighborhood to come to a Bible study. We'd love to talk to you about that because we've seen it done and we've seen it work. And this is such great confirmation. We had not even shared this part of our vision with anybody for the year, that we're going to start 10 neighborhood Bible studies, 10 workplace Bible studies. We didn't even share this. We've already had two people come to us in the last month and say, hey, if I were to do something in my apartment building, would you have any ideas? Because God's already in it. Because if we have 42 Bible studies on the book of Lamentations within the church, we've failed. We need at least one Lamentations Bible study in the world. No, I'm kidding. We, we failed. And I want to challenge some of you. For those of you who've sat, and he's going to be in second service, for those of you who've sat in Randy Barth's kinship group for the last 28 years, studying the deep things of the Word of God, maybe it's you who has feasted on the Word of God that's about to go feed others in your neighborhood. For some of you moms of adult children who had the blessing of years and years of Bible study fellowship, you're a better Bible scholar than your pastor. You're going to go, you know what? 
Maybe all of that training and all of those years at BSF was because I could answer just about any question that somebody would ask about the Bible. I wonder if some of the young moms in my neighborhoods who I could never get to BSF might come into my living room. And since all we ever drink or eat here is coffee, I will serve them coffee. (laughs) And we'll talk about what Christianity is all about in the book of Matthew or Mark or Luke. We believe that you're going to come to us and say, can you help us with that? We're asking God for 10. We're 20% there, and this is the first Sunday we've shared any of this. Maybe it's you. We're going to bring this back to your remembrance. We believe that our life groups are going to fill 15 empty chairs. That means for those life groups that meet in-house or in the household of somebody here in the congregation, that the main church service is not the only way to get people connected to the church and serving Jesus, but your life group can be one of those too. And we have every one of our life group leaders already trained to begin to have their life group praying and putting an empty chair in the middle of every circle and say, God, fill that with the person that you have to come to Jesus. We're going to pray for 15 empty chairs to be filled. Well, that would break up the intimacy of our life group. Praise God. I would love for the intimacy of your life group to be wrecked by a non-Christian. That would be wonderful. I mean, some of Jesus' disciples weren't saved, for heaven's sakes. We just talked about that two weeks ago, right? If you want to enter the kingdom, come on now. 15 empty chairs to be filled. And then in three weeks, three weeks from today, September 18th, we are going to begin to talk to you about how we are going to send 100 ambassadors for Christ out into the neighborhoods around Victory Life. You say, how big is our church? Well, it depends on the Sunday. How big is our church? A hundred? There's about 400 people who call VLC Church home. We believe that we're going to send out 100 people into the neighborhoods around Victory Life Church in the next year, and we are going to make 10,000 touch points in and around this church. 10,000. In fact, I have a large counter in my office. It's a big, red, digital assembly line counter. And we're going to send people out, back out onto the mission field, into a lost and a dying world where people are isolated and scared and feeling like the darkness is winning. And we're going to go and be a light and I'm sending you. And I'm not just sending you because the program that we are going to use, you can send the whole family. I'm going to be walking down those streets with a four-year-old saying, isn't he cute? God's got something big for us to do. He's got something big for us to do. This is our opportunity, folks. Jesus says we are capable, and we're certainly commissioned to do it. When COVID started, first couple of weeks, you know, we were all scared that our faces were going to fall off or something. Can't go anywhere, can't do anything, everything shuts down. I began to do just a Nehemiah Bible study. I don't know if any of you might remember it, I was sending it out virtually. And I kept praying, Lord, whatever's going on in this weird world and whatever this virus is and whatever's happening, God, I pray that the church would emerge stronger than where it began. I've been to pastor's conferences now since the advent of COVID. I have been around. I talk to pastor friends. And, and just about every church is saying, no, 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 we, that, that didn't happen. Churches are smaller. Churches are not seeing as many people. Everything's changed. But what if, just, just what if, the people who have remained have remained because the light was on and they're ready to shine it into a dark world. What if the church is going to emerge stronger? Because we've been through a very dark night in the church world. I mean, church means gathering. What if we are supposed to emerge stronger? What if it's going to be that the, the churches throughout this country are going to say to themselves, you know what? We are no longer going to rely on the ability to attract. 
we are going to get back in the business of going and shining. We believe that that's what God's calling us to, to get back in the business of going and shining and to snatch people out of the fire who are estranged and alienated for God, who are destined for the wrath of God and for hell, and to say there is a truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has come to save you and to make you new. He has come to heal that which has ailed you, and he has come to give you eternal life. What if, just what if, the zaniness of the past few years has led the church to a place where you just go, well, what else would we be doing? What else would we be doing but shining our light once more and snatching people from the fire? Jesus says you're capable. Jesus says head into the kitchen. Now, next week, as you come in this place, you're going to get handed a piece of paper. It's going to be a calling worksheet. He's like, first he wants me to be an evangelist, and now he's going to give me a worksheet. Thank you for warning me of this. I'll be choosing a next, another church for next week. No, listen. That they may see your good works and glorify God on the day that he visits us. I'm not saying that you're going to do one of the things that are on the list that was just up there. I hope you do. But we're going to challenge you week after week, day after day, and say, how are you going to shine your light? Who is your intended target? That's what the calling worksheet's all about. How are you going to shine your light? And who's your intended target? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to say each one of us is capable. Me, myself, and I, we are capable of shining our light into a dark world. Will I be intentional about it? We're going to study the Word of God and see the vision that Jesus has for us to win others to Christ. And God's going to do an amazing work in our midst as we get back to being what he's called us, the light of the world. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are so good. You sent Jesus into a dark place to shine the light you said that the, the darkness didn't understand the light. But to as many who received him, who believed on his name, you gave the power to become children of God. Lord Jesus, we stand here as your children, recognizing that the light still needs to be shown out into the world that others might become children of God. I pray that you would inspire our hearts to do things that we've never done before. I pray, Lord, that you would help us cross pain lines to love as we have never loved before. God, I pray that we would see ourselves as pastors gently shepherding a lost and a dying world closer to a Lord who loves them and has died for their sins. And God, I pray that we would see ourselves as bearing your hope and your healing and your truth wherever we go. Not for our glory, Lord, and not for our name, but for your glory, Lord, and for the name of the one who has saved us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand today? Over the next few months, you will notice a wall beginning to fill up. And that wall is going to fill up with emojis because we're cool like that. In fact, I've worked on actually trying to find emoji buttons on my phone, and I've succeeded. I gave somebody a thumbs up yesterday. But for each goal that we fulfill in the next year, we are going to take an emoji and stick it on that wall. And in the name of Jesus, we're going to need a new paint job one year from now. Because we're going to stick them on the wall, and the trustees are going to be angry at me. Because sticky tack does not always come down without taking paint with it. And we're going to see the impact that we have together as we shine our light. Heavenly Father, send us from this place ready to hear more, ready to be inspired for you, and ready to do the, to do the good works which ultimately bring glory to our Father in heaven. Amen. <laughs>